Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. Anybody ready for the word today? Amen. Amen. Well, um, Chelsea did such a great job in reading the scripture, and um, I wanted to actually kind of pick up right where she left left off at verses 6 and 7 of Colossians chapter number 2. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take my time today. Um, I had an opportunity to retreat and to pray and, and really to, to lift up the needs uh, of the church. And um, as I began to pray and study, um, I'm thankful for everybody who continues to pray for the church and pray for our ministry because the Holy Spirit just kind of switched gears right in the middle. I mean, I had put in some time into a message and then all of a sudden it was like, no, no, no. And, and, and just kind of changed. And so I said, all right, well, I guess I'll start over fresh here then. And um, felt like the Holy Spirit really, really desires to get to the pure meat of the matter on why we don't continuously grow in the Lord. Um, Next week, we'll be sharing on roots and different things that are down underneath the surface that we might not see, but a key uh, thing. We're going we're gonna to highlight that today. And um, I'd like for us to read all together, nice and loud. Can we do that? We've got the words on the screen for you. Everybody feeling good? Come on now. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I didn't, I, I didn't wear a jersey, but, you know, I know you guys are going to be fired up, especially you Kansas City fans. There they are. Uh, 49ers fans in the building at all? Okay. Okay. We got, we got three. Bills are in the house for certain. Just not on the field. Amen. Um, So we're going to be reading from Colossians chapter number two, verses six through seven. Come on, you ready? Let's go get this word today. Verse six, let's read together. You receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live as Christ's people. Sink your roots in him and build on him. Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. For the next hour and a half, no, I'm just kidding. But for the next few moments, I just want to speak to you from the subject, the battlefield of growth. The battlefield of growth. Now, I might come in a little heavy, so I'm going to try. Let me just put my hands in my pocket maybe so I don't get too fired up. Because there is an unseen battle that is taking place for the individual believers in the body of Christ. Satan has recognized the value and and the purpose and the potential and the threat that the born-again Christian poses against the kingdom of darkness. Is that a little too heavy this morning? (laughs) Did I come in a little too churchy? (laughs) Can I tell the truth this morning? Is that all right? right. Because Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 18, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as we saw last week in the scriptures that when we are unified, the church is unstoppable. Oh, it's awfully quiet in this. This is an Episcopalian sounding church up in here this morning. But, but, but the challenge that the individual Christian has is how hard hell fights against you so that you will not grow and develop into all that God would have you to become in Christ, that you might live the blessed 
and abundant life that Christ purchased for you to have. Jesus said he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And one of the main battles that the Colossian church was facing was the battle against condemnation. Oh, that's why when I saw the dancers up here today and Lily Stillman was holding that sign, shame, I was like, man, see that? I didn't even speak to them about what they were doing today. I just knew that they were doing a dance. And when I saw that, I was like, man, the Holy Spirit has orchestrated this entire thing. Can we put our hands together for our worship, for our praise team? See, the issue of Colossians 1 that Paul was addressing was all about what we needed to believe. And as we said last week, false teachers were coming into the church and saying, hey, listen, I know you've got Jesus, but you also need this esoteric knowledge and, and hidden knowledge and this mysticism in order to have the fullness of spirituality. You know what they were saying? They were saying, hey, listen, because you have Jesus, he's not enough. You need something else. And if you're banking on Jesus, let me tell you something, you're not enough either. Kind of sounds familiar to the same battle of condemnation that believers in Christ face today, sometimes on a daily basis, uh, of you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're, you're not skilled enough, you're not gifted enough, you're not successful enough, you're, you're not pretty enough, you're not popular enough. And it's the age-old strategy that the devil uses to condemn you. I don't know if you live long enough to recognize that there is a real spiritual fight that affects your physical reality and you are in a battle with a real devil who works tirelessly against you. He works tirelessly against your children. He works tirelessly against your great-grandchildren. He, he works tirelessly against you. Oh my goodness, if I had time, I'd take you to the book of Isaiah, and then we would do a deep dive into Ezekiel, and we would see that before Satan became Satan, he was actually known as Lucifer. He was a worship leader in heaven. He stood in the very presence of God and was created to lead others in worship to give God glory. He, he was an incredibly beautiful angel, but then pride got into him. And he said, you know what? It's all about myself. Trying to promote oneself. It's all about his pride. And as a result, he got the boot out of heaven along with a third of the angels with him. And then when we come to the book of Genesis, we see that God creates man in his likeness and in his image with the purpose to worship and to give God glory. Now you understand the reason why he fights you so hard. He's jealous of you. He hates you because you replaced him. You replaced him. We are now created to give God glory. And because the devil is the liar, the only thing that he has to work with you against you is to make you believe that though you have Jesus, you are still not enough. But as we learned last week, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need <laughs> because Jesus is all sufficient. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily because he is enough and you are his and he is yours. It means you are enough. You are accepted in him. You are approved in him. You are qualified in him. You are complete in him. You are enough.
skipping back to what Chelsea read for us in Colossians chapter number two and verse one, the apostle Paul said, I want you to know how hard I work for you, for the people of Laodicea and for people I have never met. I love this brother Paul right here, man. He's one of my favorite people in all of the Bible because he's a true pastor. This brother's writing from a prison cell, but he's like, you know what? My current situation is really not what's keeping me up. What's really keeping me up at night is how the people in the church are doing. Could you imagine if this brother had a a cell phone? (laughs) Hey, listen, I tell you what, my guy Epaphras is coming through. I'll slip you a 20. Let me get that cell phone. And if you could stretch that cord right in here and give me some battery, he'd he'd be checking in on everybody. You know what I mean? This brother was a real pastor. Of all the things that could have been keeping him up at night, what was most important to him was the condition of the church. Because in chapter number two, Paul is still dealing with false teachers that that have identified what we have identified to be the beginnings of Gnosticism. But the church at Colossae was also dealing with religious Jews that were pushing Judaism and circumcision. So it's not bad enough that they got these guys who, who, who are pretty much Gnostics on this side, but now they've also got to fight this other group of religious people who are coming after them as well. Have you ever noticed when it seems like things are going wrong in your life or an attack comes in your life, it just seems like it's one thing after another after another and the flat tire happens on your way to church. It's always every time you're trying to do something for God too. That's when the setbacks come in. That's when the things start going, stirring up at the school with your children and the hot water tank goes out and whatever else it may be. The plumbing, now you got a plumber coming out. It rained too much. Your well is backed up. You know, like there's always something going on. One thing after another. Have you ever just said, man, Lord, can a brother get a break? If you're a woman, you probably didn't say that. <laughs> But can a sister get a, is there any women in the building that say, can I just get a break? <laughs> One of the primary lies that the devil was, uses to try to uproot you from becoming all that you can become in Christ is condemnation. Condemnation of what you are not. And condemnation of what you once were. Be like, hey, yeah, I know you got saved, but you know you'll never truly, truly be free. I mean, you know that with time, you're probably going to go back to drinking. You're probably going to go back to partying. You're probably going to go back to that one guy. You're probably going to go back to that one girl. And he's like, before you know it, you'll be right back where you started from. I'm just trying to remember some of the lies that the devil's used on me. And so Paul encourages us in Colossians 2 and verse 6, he says, in Colossians 2 and verse 6, you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to live as Christ's people. Sink your roots in him and build on him. Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. Many of you heard of, um, you've heard my, my testimony that, um, Before Christ, all right, hold on. Uh, Before Christ, let's just say, I I behaved in a way that was not godly. All right, let's just keep it as close to PG-13 this morning as possible. But some of the things that I engaged in were, as a young man, were, were, were very graphic, 
okay? We're very physical. If you smell what I'm stepping in, okay, right? Like some of those events were branded in my mind and some of those things that I went through were just, just etched in my mind. And even though I had rededicated my life to Christ, periodically th- those encounters, those, those graphic images would, would play like an IMAX movie in my mind with full surround sound. And each time it would happen, I'd feel so terrible. I mean, I'd be like, my gosh, this has been 10 years and I'm still struggling. And the enemy would use that against me to bring condemnation in my life and say, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. If you were set free, you wouldn't still have those same thoughts that you had when you were 20 years old. Like if God really did a work in your life, you'd be free. Let me tell you, that'll demotivate any motivation for serving God that, that you could possibly think of stunts all spiritual growth in your life. And it took a long time. But as I began to grow in faith and submerge myself in the word and, and get the word of God in my heart and mature in my faith and plant my feet and stand my ground, eventually I was able to say, you know what, devil, you're a liar. You've received Christ the Lord, so continue to live as God's people. Now look at that. Paul said, just as you have received Jesus as Lord. All right, lean in for a little bit. He he didn't mention Savior in this specific verse. He, He didn't say that just as you've received Christ as Lord and Savior. He just said, just as you have received Jesus as Lord. So our relationship with Jesus is either transactional or it's transformational. It's either transactional or transformational. It starts out transactional, needs to move into being transformational. Transactional is an exchange. It's Jesus took our sin and in exchange I receive his forgiveness. Jesus took our sickness and in exchange I receive healing. Right? Transactional is a give and take. A lot of you folks are in business. You know what that's like. Now, transformational is a complete change. Transformational is I learn from you so that I can model my life after yours. It's total submission to the process of being conformed into the image of Christ. Remember last week, we learned that Jesus is the express image of the Father. And those who are in Christ, we've now been called to reflect the image of God's Son so that we might walk in our purpose for which we have been created, and that is to give God glory. Transformation is when a believer in Christ as a, as a Christ follower, we shift from living in condemnation to living with conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's good right there. I know I... Uh, transformation is when a believer in Christ, as a believer, we shift from living in condemnation to living with conviction in the Holy Spirit. Let me first define conviction for you. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit reveals an area of sin in our life that we need to confess, that that we need to repent of. It it could be pride, it could be anger, it could be lust, it could be selfishness. Conviction, easily remembered, is just a temporary guilt 
from the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. Now, why would he give us a temporary guilt? So that we could be free of condemnation because sin is like a weed. If it gets in there and you don't pluck it out through repentance, that, that thing can take root. And if I had time, I'd take you to Luke chapter number eight and show you how the weeds, when they get down in there, can actually choke out the growth of the good seed God's pouring in your life. It just sucks the life right out of it. You ever have people around you that just suck the life out of you? Mmm. Now, some of you are stuck with them, right? That's not in reference to married folks. That's not where I was going, but I was, I'm just saying, you know? <laughs> hey, is there any sin that's in your life that you might need to uproot by repenting and by confessing Listen, this is a regular practice of the believer. Repentance is supposed to be a regular practice of the believer. Ah. So Jesus said in verses uh, John 8 and verse 32, he said this, this is why we need to repent. He said, because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Free from condemnation. Ooh, condemnation in the Bible is the, the legal status of liability to punishment or, or to the actual infliction of that punishment. Let me say that again. Condemnation in the Bible, I'd encourage you to write that down, is the legal status of liability to punishment or to the actual infliction of that punishment. Okay. It can also mean a strong negative evaluation of a person by peers or one's own conscience. Did you catch that last part, though? A strong negative evaluation of a person by peers or by one's own conscience. In other words, we've been hearing lies for so long that we believe them causing us to live in condemnation. And it ain't even true, yet we're just walking and believing it. And condemnation in the invisible is an invisible hindrance to spiritual growth in our lives that Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter number two. Whole chapter dedicated to it. He's like, I need to get them thinking the right way. So verse six, once again, you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord. He doesn't say Savior. Savior is what he did for us. He died on the cross to save us from our sin, to restore our relationship to the Father, to heal us, to, 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 to set us free. In fact, look what Paul said in another text when he wrote in the, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians verses five through 17. I'd encourage you to take this one to memory right here. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. This is the verse that set me free right here. This verse set me free from condemnation right here. Paul speaks and he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Ah, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Oh my goodness, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
Look at somebody and say, I am a new creation. Ah, oh, my. Back to Colossians 2, 6. You have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, here's another thing worth writing down. The term Savior, the term Savior addresses what Jesus did for us. The term Lord, the term Savior is what Jesus did for us. The term Lord addresses what we do for him. Savior addresses what Jesus did for us, but the term Lord addresses what we do for him. It's total submission of my life to his word and his will that I might be transformed in Christ so that I am no longer thinking of what I once was because I have been transformed by the power of God's son. Look at somebody and say, I'm not what I used to be. Oh my goodness. If we could just roll back the camera. Thank God for what he saved us from. You ought to take a moment and praise God that you are not what you used to be. So when people try to remind you of what you have been, you can pull that weed out and shake the dust off because you know where you are going. When condemnation tries to tell you that you're not good enough and and that you're not enough, you're, you're not a good husband, you're not a good wife, you're not a good son, you're not a good child, you're, you're, you're not a good friend, you're not a good Christian, you could say, yeah, that was then, but this is now, and I am a new creation in Christ. So never reclaim what you've been redeemed from. Never reclaim what you've been redeemed from. Don't relive what Jesus has already put to death on the cross because the only place that the enemy fights you is in the battlefield of your mind. That's where he tries to bring the condemnation is in your mind. So Paul says in Colossians 2 and verse 8, be careful not to let anyone rob you of this faith through a shallow and misleading philosophy. Such a person follows human traditions and the world's way of doing things rather than following Christ. Look at verse nine. All of God lives in Christ's body and God has made you complete. Somebody shout complete in Christ. Christ is in charge of every ruler and authority. All right, now lean in here. Lean in for verses 11 through 12 because Paul is going to confront this whole condemnation thing head on, legally. He's about to prove by doctrine in this prison epistle why the believer in Christ can be guilt-free and should no longer subject themselves to other people's opinions, especially when it comes to being pressured to follow man's tradition or, or man's philosophy in order to have the fullness of God to be saved. Paul wants us to have a complete confidence that we have everything that we need in Jesus. 11, Colossians 2 and verse 11 says, in him you were also circumcised. It was not a circumcision performed by human hands, but it was a removal of the corrupt nature in the circumcision performed by Christ 
This happened when you were placed in the tomb with Christ through baptism. In baptism, you were also brought back to life with Christ through faith in the power of God who brought him back to life. Baptism is not just to get dunked in water. This is a huge deal right here in this scripture. So we know that we were dealing with the beginnings of Gnosticism in chapter number one, but then you also had those religious Jews pushing circumcision and saying that because Paul has just like revealed this to us and he's letting us know this is an issue that was taking place. Uh, First Lady Katie uh, preached a couple of weeks ago, remember that Bloom series? She came over here and preached that word, right? And she said, circumcision was a peeling back of the foreskin of the physical flesh, so on the eighth day, a male child was born, and when they were born, they were to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was the sign of a true Jew. And we read about how he was circumcised like Christ was circumcised in the scriptures. And the religious Jews were saying, hey, listen, if you're truly going to believe in God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, which was the bloodline that Christ came through, the Jews were saying, then as a grown man, you need to be circumcised. Oh boy. I can't even imagine. I once had a lipoma removed right in here, and I was nervous about getting under the knife, you know? I mean, but this is significant because these weren't the kind of surgeries, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is a whole nother level of surgery. This is back in the day. They didn't have not, you know, good health care. And there was no UNC. There was no do. They would take a sharp stone. They say, uh-huh. You say you believe in God? All right, come on. We're going to see. Hand me that rock. Come on over here. You know, like, you're going to prove it right now. The Bible's got some crazy stuff in it, doesn't it? If you really get down into it, there is some strange and, and wild stuff down in here. Um, but God gets the glory. Uh, and so the apostle Paul is saying, Christ fulfilled the law. And if you are in Christ, you are saved and do not have to keep rules and regulations in order to, to be saved. Because Jesus already fulfilled the law and you are in him. Now watch this. Paul is saying as believers then, the outward sign of righteousness is not circumcision. The outward sign of righteousness is baptism. I'll say that again. As believers in Christ, the outward sign of righteousness is not circumcision. The outward sign of righteousness is baptism. So have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? In fact, let me, let me add a question to those of you who were once baptized long, long ago and then life happened and you rededicated your life to God. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Maybe it's time to consider praying about being baptized again in front of your church family in, in, before the Lord so that you could tell God, you could tell us, and you can tell yourself, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, if you'd like to be baptized, scan the QR code that we have on the screen. You can hit our connect card, indicate that you'd like to be baptized. We're going to be doing baptism in about nine weeks around there, just right after everybody completes Rooted. Anybody excited about Rooted? Oh, there you are. There you are. So um, Paul goes on in uh, Colossians 2, verses 13 through 14. 
reading from the good news, uh, excuse me, the God's word translation, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Everybody still good? Yeah, there we go. It says, you were once dead because of your failures and your uncircumcised corrupt nature, but God made you alive with Christ when he forgave all our failures. Watch this. He did this by erasing the charges that were brought against us by the written law God had established. He took the charges away by nailing them to the cross. The, the, the charges, the accusations. Now, now um, you know, the things that kind of keep us in a constant state of condemnation. Paul is letting us know that Jesus nailed that to the cross. All those lies that the enemy tells, like, like you're not good enough. Jesus nailed that to the cross. How about this one? You're a failure as a parent. Jesus said, Paul said, Jesus nailed that to the cross too. How about this lie? You'll never overcome. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many programs you go through, no matter how many Bible studies, you, you'll never overcome this. Paul said, Jesus nailed that to the cross too because it's not in my power, it's in his. How about this one? You're not smart enough, not skilled enough. You don't have what it takes. Everybody else is gonna go before you. He said, listen, he nailed that to the cross as well. I have the mind of Christ. He's saying, that which condemned you no longer has power over your life. And biblically, you have been set free legally by what Christ has accomplished on the cross in the sight of God. And that's the only person that matters. Verse 15, Colossians 2 and 15, he stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory in Christ. Therefore, let no one judge you because of what you eat or what you drink or about the observance of annual holy days, new moon festivals, weekly days of rest, holy days. These are all shadows of the things to come, but the body that casts the shadow belongs to Christ. Now, for the sake of uh, time, verses um, 18, I'll just kind of narrate, but verses 18 through 23, Paul lists all these arguments that these false teachers are bringing in order to bring condemnation to the Christians at Colossae by saying, hey, don't handle this, don't taste that, don't touch this, and that's actually what he says in the scripture. And then at the end of it, it's kind of funny because he concludes and he's saying, listen, all those things that they're telling you, if you really dig down into it, he's like, they're not living it anyway. Like everything they're telling you to do, they're not even doing it. Have you ever had somebody judge you and get all up in your face and in your business to tell you about what you're doing and this and that, and then about a year later you find out they're doing the very same thing? Mm, mm, mm. That's exactly what he's saying. So if we were to look at this chapter and say, okay, hey, pastor, listen, that, that, that's all good, right? That's all good. But how do we apply this text to our everyday lives? Like, like, what's the main application and takeaway from this text? It'd be found in verses six and seven one more time. The reason why I keep going to this is because scholars say that this is the pivotal, 
These two verses are the pivotal point of this text that ties in chapter one all the way up to Colossians 2 and verse 5, and then Colossians 2 and verse 8 all the way to the very end of chapter 4. That's how important these two verses are right here. Because in verses 1 through 4, talks, Paul talks about his struggle that he was going through on behalf of, of the church. Verses 8 through 18 shows us that strategy that the enemy is constantly using to keep us in that condemnation. And then in 20 through 23, Paul lets us know about the weakness of religion, but the power that we have in relationship in Christ. So Colossians 2, 6, you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so continue to live as Christ's people. Now here's verse seven, we're gonna lean in for just a few moments. Sink your roots in him and build on him. Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. Next five minutes, I just wanna give you, can you give me five more? Yes. You know I'm gonna take them, but I just like to ask, you know. I think it's polite. Uh, I just wanna give you four practices to strengthen your faith. All right, point number one, sink your roots in him. The way we sink our roots in him is by waking up in the morning and, and starting off your day with pursuing hard after Jesus, right? And, and with time, you'll begin to sinking your roots in Jesus because your life will begin to produce fruit, which means you're, 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 you'll know when your life is producing fruit, like, because you'll begin to think of creative ways on how you can share Christ with others. It comes all the way down to that one simple thing, when you're thinking about how can I communicate what Christ has done in my life? How can I invite this person to Jesus? Your prayers will begin to shift because you'll, be, you'll, you'll shift from praying, Lord, what can you do for me? To Lord, what can you do through me for others? That's when you know you're starting to mature and you're starting to, de to develop fruit and to produce good fruit. How, how can I get those who are far from God, Lord, to come to you? You'll be thinking, how can God use my life to multiply your kingdom, Lord? If you're a parent, you know if you're sinking roots in your children, right? Because they're gonna reflect what you do. Any mamas in the room? Any mamas like to bake? Like to cook, right? You see this in your kids, like if, if you bake a lot, the little ones, they, they wanna do what you do. Remember one time Madison was mimicking her mother and she made an easy bake um, cake. You guys ever see those little easy bake ovens? You know, and, and they, they make it for you and you have to eat it. And then when you do, they say, hey, how's it taste? And you're like, now you don't lie to your children, you know, but you know, that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it's good, it's good, honey but she's a phenomenal cook now, so anyway. But as you begin to sink your roots into Christ, they'll wanna sink their roots too. In other words, because you're pursuing Jesus, now, now they wanna pursue Jesus as well. And parents, by all means, I wanna encourage you, we have a responsibility to keep the weeds out of your kids' gardens. Mm -hmm. You're the gatekeeper to determine if that's a seed or a weed that needs to get into their hearts. 
sink your roots in him and build on him because uh, be strengthened by the faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. Point number two, build on him. Well, how do you build on him? It's becoming a student of God's word. It's submerging ourselves in his word and spending as much time in his word as possible, listening to godly music, the the things that glorify him, spending time with God in prayer, being intentional to do all that we can to keep our minds fixed on Jesus. It's sitting outside, man, enjoying nature, having a cup of coffee. I was talking to my guy, Zach. Zach said, man, it's when I'm in a tree stand in the woods, that's when I'm spending time with God. Like, like that's, that's what the Lord is looking for. He's just looking for, for you to desire him, to set time aside, just to spend with him. And as you build and be intentional to build, he'll build you up. And as you build, be intentional to allow the next generation to see you build. Many of you, uh, uh, just like the, uh, the Colossae Christians, your first generation Christians, and you've never seen somebody build themselves up in Christ. Listen, when you don't have an example to follow of how to build yourself up in Christ, it might be because God is making you the example to follow. You are the template. You are the model. You are the role model. Maybe the reason why it's been so difficult on you is because God is allowing your life to be the example for the next generation that says, even though I may have lacked resources, if you'll get rooted in Christ, he is the source of everything that you'll ever need to build your life. Maybe God's using your life as the example to the generations to let it be seen when the generational curse is broken and you become the first to graduate in your family, the first to finish college, the first to own your own business, the first to be successful, the first to make six figures in your family, the first to go into full-time ministry. And then when people ask you, hey, how did you do that? You can say, I got rooted in Jesus, and if you'll get rooted in him, he can build your life too. Number three, strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself. Our faith is very potent. Matthew 17 and 20, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say, move to this mountain, move from there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. The principle that Paul and Jesus is teaching is that the massive is moved by the minute. Like your faith rooted in Christ can cause you to move things out of your way that's stopping you from becoming all that God would have you to be in him. As well as to not be moved when storms come your way because you can stand strong in your faith that enables you to stand when others would fall. When others would throw in the towel because your faith is, is unshakable, it's, it's unbreakable, it's immovable because you don't have shallow faith. You have deep faith. Your roots run deep, and the more you grow in your faith by reading Scripture, listening to Bible studies, books, blogs, podcasts, having coffee with people, you know what I mean? Just just going after God. The more that happens, the more you grow. Oh, my goodness. I know I'm bad on time, but listen. When you can feed yourself and strengthen yourself, you don't have to depend upon other people to feed you. Born again Christian, feed yourself. 
How are you going to be in the church 15 and 20 years and you don't know how to feed yourself yet? When you can strengthen yourself and grow in the Lord, you can feed yourself. You can strengthen yourself. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. And you don't have to wait on the pastor or the preacher or the prophet because you have a connection and you are rooted in Christ. Lastly, live in the overflow. (laughs) The apostle Paul said, he said, uh, uh, Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. Are you thankful? Hey, listen, having a grateful heart is one of the greatest weapons you can have against condemnation. Just by being thankful. Thankful for everything God's given us. Thankful for everything that he's blessed us with. Even in the difficult circumstances and the difficult times, we should still ask God for grace to be positive. Have a positive attitude. Are you thankful today? Can somebody say amen? Who? one practical thing that I think I've told this church before. Hey, if you just want some way to show Thanksgiving before you go to sleep, Just write down three things that you're thankful for. God, I thank you for the day. If you're really struggling to find something, Lord, I thank you, I got got two arms. I think I got breath in my lungs, you know what I mean? And maybe you have to start there and work your way up. But be thankful. May we overflow with thanksgiving. Hey, I wanna ask uh, worship team if they would begin to make their way up. Uh, My prayer is, is that your life will begin to kick the devil in the teeth by deeply rooting yourself in Christ so that each day you will walk in your purpose. And that purpose is to give God glory. Hey, so um, I shared my story about the one thing that the devil was using to, uh, to keep me in a constant state of condemnation in my life. And I'd be willing to bet, if we're really truly being honest in here today, I'd be willing to bet that there are others who have felt the same way, right? For some of us, the devil has been throwing that same condemnation in your face from your past for a long time to to remind you of what you once were so that you will not become who God said you can become. Apostle Paul said in Colossians 2 and verse 14. says, he did this by erasing the charges, talking about when he went to the cross. He did this by erasing the charges that were brought against us by the written laws God had established. He took the charges away by nailing them to the cross. And I just wanted to do something symbolic of that today. For anyone in this church... Anybody in this place that that the devil just keeps on bringing up that same shame, that same sin issue, that that same failure, that that, that same divorce, he just keeps up bringing that thing in your mind and throwing it in your face. Whether it is a battle in, in your mind 
or whether it's a false teacher that the devil is using as a mouthpiece to remind you of what you can't be and remind you of what you once were and to discourage you, to, to say, you'll never be delivered from the issue. You'll, you'll never be delivered from alcoholism. You'll never be delivered from porn. You'll, you'll never be set free. And, and what we want to do today is to do something symbolic of nailing it to the cross today of nailing it to the cross. I don't know what it is for you, but I believe by faith that if we will make a demonstration of nailing it to the cross, that the Lord Jesus will truly set us free. Legally, we're set free, but that we would be set free of condemnation in our hearts and in our minds by nailing it to the cross. Hey, um... I have asked if, um, okay, they got my tables here. On these tables is a notation card and markers. And as the worship team comes out, maybe Aaron can just play soft. What, what I'd like to do is um, allow you to write it down. And when you do, I wanna ask if you would come to the front and hand it. I've got two guys that are gonna receive it from you and we're gonna nail it to the cross. And together by faith, we're going to believe God that if any two of you agree as touching anything, we're going to touch it today. As touching anything, it shall be done for them. We're going to put our faith together as a family, as a church family, and believe God that we will be set free from it. I'm going to pray, and then I just, as I pray, do business with God today. What is it? Well, it's time to nail it to the cross. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for, um, for this word today. Lord, we thank you for uh, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross for us. Lord, that you set us free legally, Lord, but we ask today for the grace to implement what you have done on the cross and to apply it to our lives so that, Lord, whatever it may be, we would be set free from it today in the name of Jesus. And as a result, we would find ourselves clearing out the soil of our heart that you might continue to pour in good seed and we would see our lives begin to produce incredible fruit for you, Lord Jesus, because of what you have done for us. We love you today, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.